0: The European qualifiers are complete and the League and Cup are back in full swing in Austria so we'll cover all of that on this episode of the other Bundesliga podcast. Very warm. Welcome back to the other Bundesliga. We're here again at the Long Haul Pub & Kitchen. As always, our happy home for this podcast. My name's Tom Midler and I'm joined today by Lee Wingate. No Simon Clark this time. You were missing last time, Lee. Glad to have you back
1: on the pod. How are you doing? I'm glad to be back on the pod. Uh, very well. Uh, just enjoyed a, a trip on Friday evening to see uh, TVL Elektra against uh, Wiener Sport Club. Uh, the least Instagrammable stadium in Austria, I've been told. It, it wasn't. <laughs> It wasn't the, the most pleasant uh, sight to the eyes, I have to say. Uh, but yeah, that was a good game. And uh, there was a goal in the 93rd minute for the home team, which kept my record of never seeing a goalless draw uh, alive. alive. So all, all good, all good.
0: You've never, ever seen a goalless draw?
1: I've been saved a few times, notably down in Hartberg, when, when Altak were the visitors there. All nine away fans uh, erupted uh, in the 91st minute, I think when Mergin Barisha scored a late winner for them. But I uh, yeah, I've come close a few times now, but still, still never seen a goal of straw.
0: I'm trying to rack my brains now and prove you wrong and say, didn't we see one together? But I can't think of any. I've hardly seen any, to be honest. But um, yeah, you dodged a bullet there with a 93rd minute goal. I've never been to Teval El Electra. Why is it the least Instagrammable stadium in Austria?
1: Well, it's the, the stadium for essentially Wiener Yeah, It's a team for the transport services. And they've got basically a big warehouse slash garage full of buses and it sort of backs onto the pitch. So, literally parking the bus um, <laughs> right next to the pitch. Um, but it was a really nice match day atmosphere, actually. It's quite a, down in Favoriten, Vienna's 10th district, it's quite a, uh, a Yugoslav influenced uh, part, of, part of Vienna. And so we had uh, Pleskovica as the, the footy scram that day, which is sort of like a, a Balkan burger with Ivar, the, the Macedonian. Um, pepper dip essentially so yeah it was it was a good experience all in all
0: i saw the picture of that your your footy scran it looked great and i was really hungry at the time and but i was at um Altenmarkt against St. Poltenfrauen. It was the first weekend of the Austrian Women's Bundesliga last weekend, the one just gone. So I headed off down the road, took a little road trip out to Altenmarkt. Very beautiful, very um, tin pot, I guess you'd say. But it's sort of surrounded by hills and trees and a really nice place. Very friendly atmosphere. I reckon there must have been about 100 fans there. Um, most of the Altenmarkt locals were not... Um, so keen because it was you know St. Poulton with a, the the all conquering St. Poulton. You know when your team plays against uh, just a team who are just too good it sort of saps the enthusiasm. And we pulled up in the car park and a bloke said, "Oh what game's going on?" and we said, "Oh yeah, Alton Mark today, the women." And he said, "Oh yeah, great. Who are they against?" Like, St. Poulton." And he said, oh And sort of <laughs> walks off in the other direction. So, uh, I don't think it's a particularly attractive draw, but it was it was really fun to see. You could tell the difference. It was sort of it was professionals, you know, St. Pilton have got players who play international football and a lot who want to play international football. Altomark looked a little bit semi-pro in comparison and it ended up 9-0. But it was a very nice match day atmosphere. Drinks were cheap, food was lovely as well. So there's there's a lot to love and I'm looking forward to going back. I nearly, the day after, went to first Vienna women against Wacker Innsbruck women. But Wacker Innsbruck couldn't field a team. Um, so luckily I didn't stake my uh, my Sunday plans on that but I'm not sure what's going on because Altamarkt actually just had one substitute in the game against St. Poulton which is not what you need so St. Poulton had an absolutely full away bench of all these players looking absolutely ready to go you know very professional team they're surely favorites for the league and cup again this year and uh, poor old Altenmarkt had one I, I counted one substitute um, and they had to use her in the first half because of an injury to somebody else. So nine nil was perhaps uh, inevitable. But I was glad, though, you know, to save the the uh, the criticism that was going to come their way, that Liverpool also won nine nil in the men's Premier League in England on the same day. So, you know, these things happen
1: sometimes. And Celtic beating Dundee United in the the Scottish Premier League as well. So there were a few nine nils to perhaps, um, you know. Put, put their shame into the, the background um not really sure what else i would expect from a team whose name literally translates as old market i guess i, <laughs> I wouldn't expect them to be very good but uh of course coming up against saint polton i don't suppose anyone looks particularly good in austria
0: how do we translate Neulengbach? lengbach then there's another team in the women's in the women's league called neu lengbach so if we've, we've got the old market we've got the new something brook what's what's leng? I don't know what leng means. Maybe somebody's going to have to help us with that.
1: I don't know. I mean, we've, Google, Dr. Google's going to help we've, us. We've, we've got the benefit of the internet right in front of us. It says a leng is a type of fish, which in English is a ling. And, okay, in, bra- so- and in brackets, it's got mulva, mulva, which... I don't know. It just reminds me of Waka Waka <laughs> for some reason. Okay, uh, so
0: a new a new Ling Brook. Yeah, the Brook of New Lings or the New Brook of Lings. I don't know. Anyway, that's Neulengbach. That's the uh, Women's Bundesliga talk concluded. And um, the the table has been posted already. Saint Poulton ominously at the top after their nine goal win, but a long way to go. And uh, I'm really looking forward to actually getting back to some more women's games this season because honestly, it was it was lovely. It was eight euros a ticket. Um, really just just a fun atmosphere nice and Altenmarkt was just a really nice place to go it's about 45 minutes away from Vienna really easy road trip so gonna, gonna do quite a lot more of that this season I think explore the, the ground hops of the women's Bundesliga and whilst we're on the subject it's uh, Austria women against England women this weekend and I'm really looking forward to, to going there in uh, Wiener Neustadt, of, uh, of all places. You know, we've had this discussion many times about the game being in Wiener Neustadt, but whatever, it's here now, it's going to be sold out, it's going to be a record crowd of just over 4,000, I think. And basically, I'm just looking forward to it, because who knows, you know, pressure's off again for Austria, they had a very positive Euros, and it should just be a bit of a celebration, shouldn't it? You know, a welcome back from the Euros. And uh, I wonder if it's going to be the debut of these new Austria kits that came out just uh, the day before we recorded. Did you see those?
1: Yeah, I did. The away one is the one that I believe has attracted the most criticism. And I think it's just one of a, a host of kits that have been designed by Puma with this like reductive design, which sort of has a lot in the middle of the kit and then not too much elsewhere. I know that some some Serbian fans have been going mental because their, their national team's away shirt has essentially been done in the same way. Um, I don't really have any too overly strong feelings just because I'm not the, the kit geek that, that I know me, you yeah. are. <laughs> um, but it is definitely a, a big, uh, you know, it's, it's a big difference. It reminds me actually of, do you remember last season when Borussia Dortmund uh, had a Champions League kit in that style as well? And the fans kicked up such a fuss that they actually rejigged it for the, the next Champions League game. So I, I know they haven't been the most popular on the whole.
0: I know that they're trying to just do things differently and maybe, you know, go out on a limb and design is about that. So fair enough. I I will respect their creative integrity in that sense. But I've got to say, for me, it's not not my cup of tea. I actually think the Austria one is, there's about, I think there's maybe 10, roughly 10 Puma kits that are done like this. And the home one, got no problem with. They've gone it's like back to their roots. It's like a classic from the sort of forties or fifties. Plain, uh, just the emblem and the puma badge, all on on the uh, on the left breast. It, I think that looks really nice, personally. The away one is being called a, a hockey jersey. It looks a bit like a hockey jersey. And the thing that I don't like about it, as a fan, is that you have to get a name and number on it. When you've got a big like central square in the middle for a number, mm. it looks absolutely rubbish without a number. So you have to spend an extra fifteen twenty getting getting the number put on it. Mm. I think. On the whole, it's not it's not that bad, and I think the Puma range is is pretty awful, and I think Austria have got about the best one of the bunch. Um, but the last few Austria away kits have been pretty naff, in my opinion. I think Puma are being completely outclassed by. Did you see the Adidas releases? Oh, they're so good. They've got this the new Adidas badge with like just the three stripes and no um, and no uh, Adidas written underneath it. But then th- they've gone like really modern and cool. You know, I'm going to say the Japan ones are amazing, obviously b- because they are. But then like Spain, Belgium, um, uh, Argentina, they all look absolutely fantastic. So if you contrast them with the Puma ones, they are they're far better.
1: I have seen the Argentina one, the purple one actually, yes. which has like some. F- fire at the bottom or flames
0: yeah it's got some sort of yeah. design like melting through hasn't it it's uh, it's very cool the spain ones that they're spain away it's got weird sort of swishes it looks like a looks like a football from about 10 mm. years ago or something but, like in the in the shirt i mean they're just much better
1: while we're on the topic of kits have you seen the spezia one in it in italy no because that is basically um it's based on the town of spezia which has lots of these colorful houses and so it's just lots of like the oh, colors of the houses like sort of wrapped around each other it's, it's very nice
0: oh I forgot I've been to Spezia I know when you said the colored houses it, it clued back in I know about it I don't don't know the kit though that sounds very good does it be if we're going for Italian kits does it be was it Pesca Calcio a couple of years ago and they had they Luigi designed five-year-old Luigi designed that kit with like a dolphin and a, and a rainbow and, a, and yeah. a football
1: that was that was pretty special Now I'm not sure it surpasses that <laughs> Anyway, I've, I've diverged into the world of kits. Yeah, enough, enough tangents, maybe. Yeah,
0: I've gone off on a tangent into the world of kits. Anyway, enough about that. I do hope Austria use their new kit against England, and I hope it's the home one, at least. Let's bring things back to men's football and bring things back with Europe because the European qualifiers are over. That's the, that's the big thing that's happened since we last recorded. Um, Euro qualifiers, we were dreaming of having five teams straight through into the group stages of European competition. That would have been something very, very special. And just as we were dreaming of five, our hopes were cruelly dashed and we ended up with three. Uh, no spoilers needed wolfsburg and Rapid were the last two looking to secure places everybody else had theirs already either by direct qualification or by uh, losing but still being guaranteed a place in the next competition down i'm looking at you sturm and austria but unfortunately at the final hurdle wolfsburg fell simon traveled all the way to Klagenfurt for that a uh, bit of a disappointing one and uh, even worse Rapid. Let's let's start with wolfsburg i suppose they got through in malta just about made hard work of that got through in the end with a 4-0 away win in Malta to then play against Mulder And that looked like a hard tie, didn't it? But then they won away in Norway and we were dreaming big.
1: Yeah, we were. um, And I think that's why not only the defeat, but the scope of the defeat, a 4-0 hammering at home really came as a bit of a surprise perhaps it shouldn't be that much of a surprise when you consider that it's come on the back of a very very poor start to the league, they were bottom until this weekend, they were the only team that hadn't won until till this weekend passed um, but nonetheless, given their European exploits over the past few seasons and you know the likes of Feyenoord and and Roma they've had Gladbach they've had these amazing performances it was a little bit uh, disappointing Uh, perhaps perhaps that is also just because we've we've had these raised expectations now because of how Austria has fared over the past few years but yeah I I was hoping they would make it through sad that they didn't
0: dare I say it are they missing Michael Lindel the kind of experience that he brings I know his skills were just about starting to wane but he was still quite influential last season even if he was less influential than than in previous years
1: yeah I think not only the creative sort of output or input I suppose both apply on the pitch but also I think his, his sort of dressing room influence as the talisman will will be something that is is being sorely missed in in Wolfsburg I suppose he was he was the, the sort of link between the coach and the, and the players on the pitch um, and yeah I think definitely a big absence certainly when it comes to looking at the assist charts it is a little bit noticeable that Michi Lindel's name is not at the top of them.
0: Yeah, and moving back to the capital, Rapid Vienna, also at the same hurdle, the final playoff to get into the UEFA Europa Conference League, they drew a really interesting tie. They snuck through the previous round, did well to come back and win that game against Neftchi Baku, um, and after getting through against Lechia Gdańsk as well, you thought they'd overcome some pretty tricky hurdles, and then we saw from elsewhere Vaduz from Liechtenstein, from little Liechtenstein, where we were not that long ago we were at Vaduzer Stadium only a couple of months ago at the end of last season uh,
1: without permission
0: without permission that's true we got kicked out of Vaduzer Stadium apologies for, for just uh, walking in there and, and looking around but um, they got through sensationally against Konyaspor in Turkey with a 4-2 away win Rapid though they wouldn't be surprised by the plucky underdogs from the Swiss second division surely not but then in the leg away in in Lichtenstein which sounded like a great away trip for Rapid they got comprehensively outplayed and ended up being very, very fortunate to go away with a one-all draw.
1: Yeah, and that was described subsequently in the Austrian media as eine Blamage, a sort of disgrace or humiliation. But I think that, that that was said never really with the true belief that they would then not get the better of the second leg. And i have to say going to that match was was quite the experience it's the first time i've seen a mood or an atmosphere like that at rapide in, in in the four five years now four or five years we've been doing this podcast um and they really were on the front foot in that game especially at the beginning very high pressure start i felt that Vaduz were were literally at, at one point hanging on and suddenly rapide just seemed to drop off i don't know if Vaduz sussed out the way they were playing but the threat almost dissipated instantly around the 15 minute mark and from that point on somehow you just felt that there was something in the air that night and and, and that Vaduz were going to do it
0: yeah and uh, do it they did they went one nil up in the first half just as they'd done in the other leg and um, but unlike that one Rapid couldn't find the way back and they got an early red card as well didn't they Rapide? so uh, a few too many red cards this season costing them at important times and uh, yeah Vaduz snuck it 1-0 uh, amazing scenes at the end with, with Liechtenstein creating a bit of European history.
1: Yeah, all the players and, and coaches sort of streaming onto the pitch in the sort of post-penalty shootout celebrations that you usually see at international tournaments. A big moment for Liechtenstein. But from from our Austrian perspective, it was just quite interesting to see the reaction of the crowd. There were ferocious boos at the final whistle, which you might well expect. They, they'd been there at halftime as well. Um, but the anger, the ire seemed to be directed at the president, uh, Martin Bruckner, and, and his board, rather than uh, the coach, Ferdinand Feldhofer. And, you know, usually. The first axe to fall is on the coach's head but but this time it really seemed more deep-rooted at, at brookner who's, who's been in charge for three years now and the protests continued outside the stadium i didn't leave the stadium until a full hour after the game because i went to the the vaduts post match press conference in the hope that it would be crashed by the players with champagne uh, it did not materialize sadly but when i came out of the stadium there were still large swathes of fans waiting outside some with signs some shouting it was, a, it was a really sort of bitter mood there that evening.
0: Do you think, obviously there's been a lot of repercussions since this game, we'll talk about those in a minute, but do you think, had they won this game and, and snuck into the Conference League as they probably should have on paper, or definitely should have on paper, um, would that be papering over the cracks or, or would it look a little different, or a lot different, you know, with a few extra million in the bank would that have changed things it was, was it one of those games that was sort of decisive of their season because Rapid were playing it before they were saying ah yeah you know look, this is the game of their lives for Vaduz um and for us we've got to make sure that we have the same mentality but apparently they didn't
1: I think it was the former I think it was a papering over of, of the cracks to be honest because I don't think you get that level of reaction based on one albeit very um humiliating in their eyes uh defeat I don't think it comes from from one I think that that's been building bubbling under the surface and I think that this was sort of yeah that the the touch paper was lit after this basically and yeah I just found it interesting that, that all of the anger was was upstairs uh, they've clearly got some beef with, with the way the club's being run but then I think. You know, over the past few years, we've had the pandemic. It's been described by Rapid's board as the most serious financial problems they've had since World War Two, and um, you know they've clearly been up against a lot. So I'm I'm not really sure where the where the anger of the fans really what it's about.
0: Yeah, they've also been at pains to suggest that you know the clubs survived the Corona pandemic in. The best financial shape possible, basically, that they've, they've got through it on a pretty stable financial footing. It's, it's just frustrating to watch, isn't it? Because we felt earlier on in the season, too, even when they were top of the table, we felt like they were somehow just uh, they were on thin ice away from a crisis. And it was an interesting month, the last month or so, because had a few results gone their way, maybe not just the Vaduz one, but had a few other results gone their way, they could easily be top of the Bundesliga table. They had a fairly easy start on, on paper to the, to the Bundesliga calendar, and they could be top of the league, let's say. They could have got through, uh, after all those rounds into the European group stages, and, and things would be looking a lot rosier. But we knew, we sort of felt somehow that they were on thin ice. And as it turned out, they, they did fall through that thin ice. And now... There's been a lot of repercussions and, and the board have basically said they're not going to stand again for election in, uh, in the autumn.
1: Yeah, I think the thing that's interesting about that is I believe Mr. Bruckner was the only person that put himself forward for election. So now, of course, there's a, a spot that's been vacated and we're, we're wait, waiting with interest to find out who's going to fill that. Uh, the club legend Stefan Hoffman has been linked with with that role. Um, he hasn't really commented on that um, or been drawn into the speculation too much yet, and as well that the former um, stadium spokesman uh, Andy Marek as well, he's already ruled himself out of the running for that. But it's going to be huge figure at the club, isn't he, Andy yeah. Marek It's
0: hard to describe his sort of uh, cultural role in a way. With he's not just the stadium announcer. You know, he's like he's like Mr. Rapide as well, isn't he?
1: Yeah, I think it's it's going to be a very difficult position for anyone that comes in there because it's it's like any big club the expectations are for whoever is in whatever role to to do things very well and very quickly um and uh, you know rapid is is a big project there's a they have a lot of player turnover it, it's very hard to get the continuity there in terms of the playing stuff that you need to challenge for trophies but the fans are so desperate for a first trophy in in almost 15 years now so it's a, it's a bit of a sad situation to see the club in. Of, of course, they're, they're faring very well compared to many other Bundesliga clubs, but it's the best supported and arguably biggest club in Austria. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a little bit of a sad sight to see.
0: Yeah, let's talk a bit about that player turnover, actually, because you're right with Rapid, you know, they're this huge club in Austria, they've got a huge fan base, they've got huge support. And I somehow feel that in many ways that, that brings with it like the most challenges and, and the most difficulties that they're, they're tied to tradition in many ways. You can't just start doing what you want at Rapid. You can't just um, change the way the club is run and it's, it's not as easy to do that. Of course, it needs somebody. It needs a modern way to be run. It needs to be reacting to current circumstances and, and if you look in any league, the clubs that are best rooted in in you know in the things from today like mixing tradition and modern values in terms of how to run a club, they're the ones that are, are able to, to create success and there's definitely room in, in Austria for Great improvement, But it's, it's just a bit of a mystery as to how you know, the optimism of finishing second twice in the last couple of years has just suddenly vanished. They, they fell off a cliff at the end of last year, left themselves with all these European qualifiers to go through. Now they've missed out on Europe. I just feel it's a bit of a shame because if you look at some of the good young players that they've been bringing through, uh, Grimel left on a free at the end mm. of last season. It's a very good young defender who could have been their sort of first choice centre-back for the next couple of years. He wouldn't have stayed forever but it would have been a couple of years of development. Rapid would have had a good player. He's gone for nothing. Uh, Manuel Aiwu now, who was a great piece of business for Rapid, he's gone for a few million to Cremonense in um, in Italy, if I'm saying that right. But now they've missed out on the group stages. You feel like almost they've basically given him away for free because the, the prize money that they would have got has just been lost, basically, uh, and and countered by the, the transfer value that they got for Aiwu. So... They're not really strengthening. I'm sure we'll talk about Sturm in a minute because, of course, you know there's huge transfer news with Rasmus Hoyland from Sturm. But they haven't been able to do the same as, as some of the other clubs in Austria in terms of taking a bit of a risk on a player and then and just absolutely nailing it and sort of finding a player who's transformed the club's fortunes for a short time and then been sold on for for a much larger value a short time later. Uh, They've built a much bigger squad this year than I've seen at Rapid for a long time. Mm -hmm. I thought that would be good. And the irony is they've prepared themselves for fighting on two fronts this season, you know, by by taking the plunge and going for players like Ferdi Droyf. And now they're not in Europe. They've got an ageing defence again. All the good young players that we were talking about are gone. The other players uh, are probably a bit too young to, to be the main centre-backs, really. It's a bit risky. I don't really know where they go from here. It's going to be a tough season, isn't it?
1: And on top of all those things you mentioned there, I'm still not really sure that Ferdinand Feldhofer ever really had the coaching pedigree to be in charge of the biggest club in Austria. Like His role with his time at Wolfsburg, I don't think, was as impressive as some of his... Uh, predecessors down in corinthia so to to see him there i kind of wondered was he only there because of a lack of alternatives that's kind of the the feeling i had so all in all it doesn't feel like a very good place to to be right now and it's the same for austria vienna as well both of these capital clubs really are yeah we've said this before but they have fallen on hard times and, and the situation at either club doesn't look particularly rosy
0: yeah it's difficult to balance that isn't it because as you said earlier they're healthy in a way compared to other clubs you know they're still big clubs they're still in the bundesliga they're still doing all right but compared to where they want to be they're not there but that anyway left austria with just three teams in european competition A um, bit of a, a bitter pill to swallow after the the prospect of five um, how much of a hit could that be to to europe you know in terms of coefficient in terms of prize money all of these things what what are the sort of ramifications that we're going to see from that?
1: Well, we've seen Austria do very well, and I would say surpass its its expectations significantly over the past few years. And so, any damage done by it, recent results and failure to qualify is is not going to be, in, you know, have uh, huge repercussions overnight. But of course, over time, these things will change. We've already seen Austria uh, drop down from eighth to ninth in the in the UEFA Association coefficient at the expense of or. You know, they've, they've been uh, leapfrogged by Scotland, uh, Belgium are coming up fast, Norway as well with, with Bodo Glimpse, excellent run and, and Mulder beating Wolfsburg as well. So I think over time, if, if this trend continues and we are going to have fewer clubs getting points this season, we, we could see a drop out of the top 10, which of course uh, would be a blow. But as we've we've been saying to each other privately recently, I think a lot of the disappointment now is because we've had such increased expectations over the past few years that this seems like a downer. But bearing in mind three teams in Europe for Austria five years ago would, would not have been bad at all. It's just been a, a golden period and I suppose realistically we can't expect that to last forever.
0: I think you're absolutely right on that. You know, it's it's hard mm-hmm. to in perspective sometimes when, when we're disappointed about these things. My silver lining for this European campaign would be at least that Wolfsburg got through a round. They won in Norway. They won in Malta. They got a draw as well. So they picked up a few points from the coefficient. They picked up a little bit of prize money along the way. Obviously, it's disappointing not to be in the group stages where all the, the big cash is going to be and the big points are going to be. But they got something. Uh, rapid as well. They got through two rounds with a couple of wins under their belt before they did eventually get knocked out. So it's at least something because in the past few years we have had Sturm we have had Austria go out in their first qualifying round with two defeats in a row and just you know they're, they're taking away coefficient points without providing anything so mm. at least it wasn't completely flatlining um, for one of the teams but it's just that feeling the lingering feeling that I thought we were going to get four teams in competition at, at least and, and not just the three um, and then we look at the groups now we'll move to those they look pretty tough Um the one last thing I wanted to say about the coefficient before we move on to that, actually, though, is the, the one thing... I, I had a question about Sturm, and if somebody can answer it, I would love to hear the answer because I don't know. I, I did pose it before, but it's difficult to do it in writing. It's a bit easier to describe um, with, with your voice because it's a complicated scenario. So Sturm lost in their Champions League qualifier to Dinamo Kyiv. They lost 1-0 away, but they won 1-0 in, uh, in Graz over 90 minutes. Do they get the points? I don't know how much, but you get a few hundred thousand for a win in Champions League qualifying. And you get a coefficient point for winning over 90 minutes. So, so Dynamo got that for winning their leg 1-0 over 90 minutes. Sturm did the same thing over 90 minutes. Do they get those points for that? Or, as I believe the case to be, do they get nothing because they eventually lost 2-1 after extra time? Somebody said it was calculated after 120 minutes. Somebody said it was calculated after 90. I don't know. I can't find it out. Nobody quite understands the question. <laughs> it's a bit convoluted. But if anybody knows the answer to that, I'd like to know because, you know, it's, it's a bit of money. Not that Sturm care about money right now because they've got a massive windfall for Rasmus Hoyland. Should we talk about that now or should we talk about European group stages first?
1: Well... Let's come back to it later because it's, it's a nice juicy thing to perhaps come to in, in our Bundesliga section and there are some certainly interesting groups to get through. So I say we stick our teeth into those first.
0: Yes, so Sturm are not in the Champions League, unfortunately. They would have had to play Benfica next after losing to... Uh, if they had beaten Kiev. So that would have been, you know, they were always on a bit of a hiding to nothing there in the Champions League groups. But that means they got into the Europa League groups instead. Salzburg, of course, have gone straight into the Champions League groups And Austria-Vienna lost uh, both ties against Fenerbahce. That was as well a really, really tough ask for Austria-Vienna. So uh, no huge surprises that they lost both ties. But at least they're ending up in the uh, Europa Conference League. Should we go team by team? Yeah. Let's start with Salzburg in the Champions League then, shall we? I know what's exciting me the most, but what about you?
1: Well, I I think that the the prospect of... Playing the Italian champions, AC Milan, who I know you've seen um, in action against Wolfsburg in a friendly recently and I, th- I think impressed you quite significantly. I think that's going to be interesting. The prospect of a trip to the San Siro for us personally as well um, is, is a standout game. Of course, then you've got the, the English uh, attention from, from Chelsea. It's what we always want, isn't it? absolutely we want you know we we want that link between our adopted homeland and our actual homeland that's that's always nice and as well to see them play chelsea is good because i think chelsea are one of the teams we've had spurs out here we've had liverpool we've had manchester united arsenal arsenal as well west ham west yeah of course west ham um, so it's nice to to see a new team as well i think that's always the thing we hope for personally from the draws isn't it like napoli again That's kind of how we usually react. And Dinamo Zagreb's an interesting one because it's not far from here. um, And they've shown quite recently what they are capable of in Europe. They finally stopped the Bodo Glimp train in qualifying as well. So all in all, I think it's an interesting group. Uh, I think it is probably too much. I think it's fair to say this isn't Salzburg's best ever crop. Um, It might be a little bit too much to expect them to replicate their achievements from last year where they got to the knockouts but it's certainly going to be intriguing.
0: Massively fertile ground as well, though, for somebody to become a new star. Because I think you're right. I don't think there's quite as much excitement about this Salzburg crop at the moment. Of course, Benjamin Sheshko picking up a lot of uh, credit. You know, Moritz Kiergaard. and just thinking of a few of the players. And there's a lot more talent in there still to come through. Uh, Dion Kamari. There's loads of young players. You can, I mean, you could literally pick out anybody in that Salzburg squad. But as was not the case in the last few years there's no sort of big senior names or or still very young to say senior but there's no big names that stand out above where it's like oh these 10 players are potentially developing and these two guys watch out for them because they're absolutely amazing so it's it's kind of the ground is really open for somebody to put themselves forward in this Champions League campaign and I think that does make it quite exciting for Salzburg but also yeah you're right in terms of just the pedigree of knowing what kind of talents they've got at their disposal it's maybe a little bit more of a raw team this year Um, and I think that will make life more even more difficult than it already was when you're playing Chelsea when you're playing AC Milan but at least Zagreb is close. you know. For me, it's not a super exciting draw, but at least it's got the geography. So I, I give that, you know, it's an eight out of 10 draw for me. We can easily go to Zagreb.
1: It's a very solid draw. I would just come back to the point. I think they do have a couple of standout names there. I think at the moment, Moritz Kiergaard and Lukas Sucic are the two that, that stand out to me. But uh, I think just when you compare it with the, the previous generations, you know. It's not
0: Haaland, it's not Amy kind not Dhaka, of levels yeah. of, uh, of excitement, though, is it?
1: Yeah, and uh, I think, you know, Obviously, that changed this weekend, but the start to the campaign for them has been a bit slow as well. So I think perhaps I haven't had this overwhelming feeling that, that yeah, Salzburg can can mix it with the, the big guns in Europe this season.
0: I'll say it again. I guess we said it pretty much every year, but again, I'd be really happy if they finished third as long as they actually did something in the Europa League. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They've not managed that. A couple of times they finished third uh, gone straight out in the Europa League. Um, but then last year, obviously, into the Champions League knockouts, That was that was really something special. So we can't really... We can hope for that this year, but we can't really expect it, can we?
1: No, and I think it's also important to, to because they're such a selling club when it comes to other teams in Europe. They've got all of these talented young players coveted around the continent and they often tend to lose players over the winter as well. I'm looking at the Haaland, uh, Sobberslay as well. Um, and when they lose these players, it obviously makes it much harder to, to you know keep going at the same level after the winter break when the knockouts come around. I think that could be partially describe why they've tended to struggle dropping down into into the Europa League
0: yeah I mean this year as well they've lost players from key positions in midfield they've done that before as well but if you lose a winger or something you know they're not necessarily as influential in your overall game yes of course they're influential players and very good players but losing a centre forward is kind of you're always going to be replacing or trying to replace a centre forward but when you when you lose, lose like key centre midfielders, defensive midfielders and stuff, it can somehow have a, a more, have a larger impact on sort of steadying the ship for the next season, I think. And their defence does look a bit more exciting. There's still loads of players coming through. Fernando's looking good. Capaldo's looking good. You know, there's, I think there's, the, the squad depth is still very, very strong at Salzburg. It's very, very good. But um, yeah, I'm really interested to see who stands out, if anyone. But to, to actually usurp AC Milan or Chelsea would be absolutely huge this season.
1: That isn't the only Austria-Italy clash as well in the group stages, so I might use that as a segue to move on to Sturm Graz's uh, Europa League group, which I think is really interesting. They had they had a tough group last year, didn't they, with the likes of PSV Eindhoven, Monaco, and I forget who... Sociedad
0: that. was the other one, so yeah. it
1: didn't get much easier there. That's it, and I feel like this year it's a group of, of perhaps, maybe it's marginally easier, but it's a similar level. You've got a very good Dutch team in Feyenoord, Lazio, who are in the Champions League, and you know, beat the likes of Dortmund quite recently, um, and then perhaps Mittelstadt is the one they'll look at to, to at least try and finish third, and you know, drop down into the Conference League as a result. What about what? What do you think? Do you think that that I'm, I'm underselling that group by saying it's easier than their previous one?
0: No, I mean they're not exactly highly seeded, so they're always going to get a fairly tough group. But you could definitely, do, you know, this 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 word Machbar that we talk about a lot on the pod, you know, doable. Um, it's a less doable group than I was hoping for, I'm not going to lie. They, they showed well last year, despite not winning a game and just picking up a couple of solitary draws. Um, can you say a couple of solitary draws? Is that even a couple of solitary points, I guess? I don't even know if you can do that or if it's just all an oxymoron. But anyway, they showed quite well last year, and I'm looking for them to, to go a step further this year. But it is a tough group, very much so. It's not easy in the Europa League. You know, there's some big-name teams. Now European football sort of expanded its group stages you just get really good teams now in the Europa League again, and you know even in the Conference League, which we'll come to later. Um, so it's really—I don't think it's easy. I, I'm not—I'm not filled with a great deal of hope this year. And obviously, the big hope for Sturm was that they'd have Rasmus Hoyland leading the line for at least the group stages, and now that's not happening. So I think it will be—it will be tough for them. I'm—I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how they respond to—to to losing Hoyland over the next couple of couple of months because. Yeah, I don't think this is going to be an easy one for them. I I think, as well, to be to be realistic, third and dropping down, as, as sort of defeatist as that sounds, I think that would be actually quite a win for, for Ström.
1: I think it's it's certainly the most realistic thing to aim for. You know, perhaps they could end up um, getting the better of, of Feyenoord. I think those those two games of Feyenoord will really um, determine the lay of the land in this group, uh, but they, they will need to... To be on their toes against michieland as well. They are a, a very good team, and they've been in the Champions League and a not too distant past as well. So, yeah, I, I think like you, I was hoping for a, a bit of an easier draw than 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 we got. But do you think any of these any of these teams take your fancy in terms of an away day? Are you are you looking at that with the same eager eyes as the Salzburg group?
0: um Well, I really wanted to do San Siro, so you know that's sort of a bit of a special one, but. Yeah, I've wanted to go north for a long time, so, so Micheland perhaps. I don't know about the dates, I'm not sure it all works out, but I, I'm, I'm keen. What I'm thinking about Sturm now, we're talking about it, is maybe it's their time in the sun. Same for Austria-Vienna, because other teams in Austria have come into Europe and they've really surprised, they've made a name for themselves, they've, put, they've written a chapter of their club's history, You know, if not a couple of chapters. Salzburg have definitely done it, but also Vienna have done it. Uh, Lask have done it Rapid not quite as much but again this comes down to what we were saying earlier that they've got bigger expectations and bigger history but actually they've still done pretty well they'll still remember nights against Arsenal and stuff going away to West Ham and things even if it wasn't wasn't always positive you know every club has had a lot of fun in Europe in the last few years basically that have, that have got there and Sturm haven't been part of that yet the home win against Dinamo Kyiv was, was a kind of glimpse that European football can work in, in Graz and I'm hoping for them that, that they can just sort of get, get a foothold in this group and, and have some memorable European nights. Because, you know, even in the Conference League last year, LASK had a bunch of memorable nights and maybe it's their turn. So, so yes, I'm looking forward to some of those away days. And maybe I go in with no expectations for, for Sturm. And uh, uh, whatever will be, will be. I hope they just have a good European run, basically.
1: What about Austria-Vienna then?
0: The Austria-Vienna group in the Conference League has, for me, the standout most ridiculous draw uh, of the lot – and that's the one against Villarreal. Because this is the Conference League, people. This is the third tier of European competition. And Austria-Vienna have somehow managed to draw a team who were like a whisker away from reaching the Champions League final last season. I don't understand it. I know they're not traditional Champions League finalists or anything, but still, Villarreal, that's a seriously talented team. They, they had that Liverpool team on the ropes in the semi-final. And now they've got Austria-Vienna in the third tier of European football. I, I, looked, I can't believe it. I looked at the group and was like, what is that if, if, if another team... VL doesn't have the biggest name, but if you pick any other team from the Champions League semi-finals in recent years and put them into a conference league group, you'd be like, oh, that's ridiculous. Mm. We've got Bayern Munich or Barcelona or something like how do, we, how do we end up with that in the Conference League? So <laughs> I'm a bit like, you know, they've got this team who've just like won the Europa League two seasons ago, got to the verge of the Champions League final, and now they're playing Austria-Vienna. So um, I think Austria-Vienna have got their work cut out in this one as well.
1: <laughs> and I can tell you that uh, at 18 in the club ranking, they are the highest ranked club in the Conference League. So it couldn't have got more, any more difficult for, for Austria-Vienna, really.
0: No, who else is in that group?
1: Uh, Happelwell, Biershova and Lech Poznań.
0: Yeah, it just doesn't—it doesn't get my juices flowing particularly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not gonna lie. Like, you know, even though they've got the word beer in the name, Happy Beer Shaver, that's like—if you go away and lose there, it's not a particularly uh, exciting one, is it? And well, you said am you I were, being harsh?
1: Well, you said you wanted to go north. If you—if you had an appetite for going south, I believe they are the southernmost top-flight club in Europe. So, if, fancy a little trip down to uh, to Beer Shaver?
0: Yeah, all right. You're selling it to me. You're selling it to me. Poznan. I've never been to Poznan either. I don't know how far away Poland can be quite close to us here, but um, you know, there's certain cities that are not very far away. Um, I don't know about Poznan or, or where it is exactly. I, I think
1: that's um, west. Is not it just northwest or uh, let Let's check. On if you
0: said southwest, I'd be very happy, I don't and th- then maybe I'd go. But
1: I don't think it is. I think that's where Krakow is. Not not that two cities can't both be southwest, <laughs> but but I'm I'm pretty sure it's. Uh, yeah, it's, it's West Central, basically. Okay. So uh, it would be doable.
0: Maybe. Maybe. All right, I'll, I'll refer to the calendar and see if we can fit it. The, the, talking about the, the Puma kits from earlier, Switzerland has got like a calendar on the front, hasn't it, of their away kit. So, sorry, it's a bit of a niche reference. They've got like this box on the front with number in the middle. that just looks like the calendar emoji. So I'll check my, check my Switzerland away shirt and see if I can do any of these group stage draws. Lee, you're looking at me like I've just, I've just been very confusing there. So apologies for that. Uh, are you going to do any away trips? Are we going to do some
1: some group trips together? I think it's got to be the San Siro that's right up there. I might hop over the border, go back to Freiburg, and have some some more apple juice and, and take in a game in, in Vaduz while I'm there. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. The, the, this doesn't overall this doesn't have the same appeal that previous draws involving Austrian clubs have had. I don't know if that's because there are few there are fewer clubs involved and therefore fewer opponents, or the opponents just aren't as glamorous. But but besides Salzburg, Milan, and Chelsea, there's there's not too much for me there.
0: It wasn't a top draw. Draw. Um, are we are we adopting Vaduz then as as our local you know local neighbours in in Liechtenstein? And are we allowed to adopt Vaduz if we don't adopt like Slovan Bratislava and stuff? Seeing as they're just also Bratislava is like an hour away from Vienna, Vaduz is like seven hours away from Vienna. But they're so close to Austria that. Yeah. Know, can we claim them as our own?
1: I mean, the difference being that Vaduz have previously competed in the Vorarlberger Liga in Austria uh, back in the, back in many, many many decades ago. So I think we've we've got more historical claim. Not that those words ever sound good, um, <laughs> but we've got more historical claim to them than, than Slovan, for example.
0: Put them in the British Museum, mate. Put them in the <laughs> British Museum. Okay, um, yeah, all right, I'll, I'll adopt Vaduz as well then to make it a bit more interesting. Um, but yeah, it's going to be nice, but you're right, it's, it's not probably not quite as exciting as before. Um, Shall we use that opportunity to to take a little break, play a bit of music and come back to talk about the Bundesliga? Absolutely. So six games down in the Austrian Bundesliga, or five in the case of Rapid and Hartberg, because Rapid rather ridiculously took a week off to prepare for their game against Swiss second tier side Vaduz and uh, if you've heard the first part of the pod you'll know that did not end well in fact it ended with fans climbing into the uh, president's box so it really didn't end well even though they took a week off to prepare nonetheless um, there have been some surprises and some some positive surprises in the Austrian Bundesliga Uh, first and foremost it has to be Lask with ex-Rapid manager Didi Kubat at the helm just to rub it in a little bit more for Rapid Vienna Didi Kubau has taken Lask to the top after six games five wins one draw which involved a late equaliser as well against them so they could easily be looking at maximum points they've got I think the two highest goal scorers in the league at this stage and they're just they're just playing
1: brilliantly I think one of the things we all love about football is that it constantly throws up new scenarios and things we haven't seen before and obviously none of us had ever seen a Diddy Kubel smile before and it is, <laughs> it's very refreshing to see him grinning from ear to ear on the sidelines I don't think any of us expected this at all did we like going back to our pre-season predictions I think I was pretty much doom and gloom at, on LASK and um, it's been a revelation to see how well the key existing players the likes of Goyinger and Nakamura have, have linked up with some of the new players like um, well of course I have to mention Marin Lubacic, don't I after all of these goals so far what is it 9 in 9 in 6 10 in 6 something, something like, like that across league and cup yeah, yeah so it's um, it's been a roaring start to the season and just has come totally out of the blue for me
0: yeah, and Nakamura, somebody you picked up, you know, he was growing in his influence in the last couple of, uh, in the last season at least. But now he looks a- absolutely brilliant. So, whilst we looked at the transfer policy at LASK this summer, it appeared that they were weakening. It seems like they've just managed to sort of refresh, you know, the old era of LASK for the last half decade or whatever has been a very, very successful one in in full terms. You know, last season was the only really disappointing season that they've had for a long time, um, and they managed to sort of see which players were, you know, were still trying their best, but perhaps not quite fitting anymore or not quite having the same passion or belief for the, the last project that they once had. Um, and they moved some of those players on and they've managed to, to sort of grow. And, but they seem to be playing really good football too. They're, they're scoring goals with no problem. And you know, we talked about this a lot, but they had this massive problem with chance conversion last season. I think they had the, like the biggest discrepancy by an absolute mile, way ahead of anyone else in terms of XG to actual goals they were so far behind their XG. Mm-hmm. And now this season, they, I think they've already scored. You know, they've got four at the weekend. I think they've got five earlier in the season or even six earlier in the season or something. Either way, they're, they're free scoring at the moment. And,
1: uh, and it's really working, isn't it? And, and that's another one of the surprising things because for all, for all his time at Rapid Vienna, I never, I never... If somebody said to me, what brand of football does Didi Kuba play at Rapid Vienna? I wouldn't... I couldn't... I couldn't describe it. It was just barely functional... And so I think the fact that the are sort of playing this free-scoring attacking football that are, is cutting other teams apart at the back, it's, yeah, it's just, yeah, again, I use the word surprise, but it, it has been really high quality. You look at some of the the goals from their 4-1 win against Altak, that strike from Branko Jovicic to make what it 2-1. That was the pick of the bunch on a weekend full of good Bundesliga goals. Um Robert Zul, as well, rounding off a, a really nice team move. His first Bundesliga goal since, I think, 2014. Yeah, it's just it's just totally caught me off guard. And it, it makes me think, could this be sustained? You know, they are notably absent from European football this season. Perhaps they could use that to, to put together a real challenge. Maybe not necessarily for the title, because Salzburg are so far ahead. But finishing the top two, have a run in the cup. Who knows?
0: Yeah, definitely potential for it. I'm looking at the fixture list as well. They've not had a particularly easy run-in to start, or run-in, you know, uh, start. Run-out. Run Run-out, I guess, yeah, to start the campaign. You know, they, they did have a home tie against austria Klagenfurt on day one, but then after that, they've played teams who've mostly, you know, been in Europe in recent seasons. They've played Vietze, they've played Rapid, um, and they've played Sturm already as well. And they actually won all three of those games. And then, you know, the win against Altac, perhaps a little bit more routine, what you'd expect to get home win maybe against Altac. But... You can't say they've, uh, they've had it easy. So they've played Austria-Vienna as well. You know, they've basically played most of the top six from last season. You know, you can't say fairer than that. They're not, they're not fluking it at this stage. And if they can keep this up, they just they seem to have this belief at the moment. It's, uh, it's exciting to watch. The crowd are getting behind them again, That like they were maybe not so much last season. The, the mood got a little bit sour last season, as it does when, when things are just not going your way. But when, when Altac equalised this weekend to, go to make it one-all you know, they scored that brilliant goal that you talked about, came about two and a half minutes later and they just, they never looked back. So uh, a very positive surprise to see Lask at the top, one point ahead of Salzburg.
1: Yeah, and as far as I'm aware, Lask don't play Salzburg until right at the end of the the first round of fixtures. So by that point, if they can keep it going, they could both be quite some distance ahead of the rest of the pack and we could have a real top spiel, I guess, just before the, uh, well, close to the, the World Cup break.
0: Yeah, certainly. Lubicic at the moment with uh, six goals and one assist in his six appearances. Very good effort. And uh, Nakamura with a very satisfying three goals and three assists in six appearances as well. So looking really good. And I noticed, you know, Nakamura at the weekend got a couple of sort of, uh, what do you call it, like a hockey assist, as in like the assist to the assist as well. So functioning very, very well. Um, Salzburg in second, you mentioned that they had a little bit of a slow start to the campaign, but they hit their stride this weekend, didn't they? They uh up against high-flying Austria Lustenau, promoted team, surprising everybody, but uh, they they rather blew them away in the end with a 6-0 win.
1: Yeah, and I didn't really foresee this happening to this degree anyway, because you're never that surprised if Salzburg win in Austria, but Austria Lustenau had made the best start of any promoted team, I think, in the last five or six years. Um, Their home form is especially good you know on the road they haven't I don't think they've done as well but their home form that's a real fortress uh, right next to the Swiss border it's a tough place to go very atmospheric and Salzburg just seemed to yeah just to completely um cut them apart I think I think the first few goals from Salzburg were really quite nice and then I think their heads dropped at Lustenau, and there were a few mistakes there um that, that allowed Salzburg to turn a comfortable win into a route uh, that perhaps didn't entirely reflect the balance of play, um, but nonetheless, six-nil hammering—you can't really ask for more than that on the road.
0: You can't. And uh, youngster, to to briefly talk about Austria Lucha now, because they're not going to get too much of a shout after losing six-nil just before recording. But Brian Teschera, uh, top uh, goal scorer, top scorer in in terms of scorer points, sorry, in the league so far at the moment with two goals and five assists. And uh, even though it was against Salzburg, he did create several shots on goal for Lustenau as well. So he could easily have got another assist even in this game
1: and just uh, looks to be a revelation, looks to be
0: flourishing in the, in the top, top flight in Austria,
1: doesn't he? Yeah, he's been the stand-up player for me for Leicester now so far, and in, in what has already been a very bright campaign. I think what Marcus Mader, their coach, will really be hoping for is that they can get back to where they were before this Salzburg game, and the heavy defeat doesn't sort of set them in a rut where they you know, the heads drop a little bit and and they they start dropping points because it was a hammering. Uh, but, but overall, it's been a very, very good start. And I think they've been a great addition to the Bundesliga as well.
0: They certainly have. Uh, you know, they won't be the only team to get hammered by Salzburg this season. They've got to just shake that off and move on. But from the Salzburg perspective, I was pleased to see six different goal scorers. That's always quite satisfying in a 6-0 win, isn't it? Fernando got the penalty to start it off. Kiergaard got an excellent shot from outside the box. We don't see him hit long-range strikes very often, but that was a really good one. Capaldo's header, perhaps the pick of the bunch, actually. Umar Saleh mm-hmm. with some, some mm. fantastic footwork to set that
1: up. Yeah, Soleil Soleil. That was that, <laughs> that was absolutely absolutely brilliant, wasn't it? He he sort of in in a in a tight space in the box. He dragged the ball over, and then I thought, well, does this le- does this centre back really want to put that onto his left foot? He's clearly a right-footed player, and then with the outside of his right foot generates so much power on that cross. It was absolutely brilliant.
0: Yeah, and he sort of did it all in one motion, where it didn't look like the cross would be possible. As, as his foot was sort of coming down, and then sort of flicked it up onto Capaldo's head, it was a really, really lovely piece of work for that goal. Okafor had a bit of an easy one, didn't he? But then uh, Adamu, Junior Adamu, another player with with a lot of potential, you know, could easily be the next sort of Karim Amy if if things go right for him. And uh, Dion Kameri with a goal and an assist as well, uh, an excellent pass for for Adamu's goal. So uh, yeah, very, very satisfying all round game I've been picking Salzburg each match for, for the last couple of weeks so I'll say this is the one where they're going to hit the stride now they'll do it this one against Leicester Now I, I thought nah probably not now mm. and then they did so there we go they're back
1: but they still they still are in the unfamiliar position of looking up at the leaders and uh, for as long as that continues I think we will be happy not because we favour any team but because a title race is always welcome especially in these parts
0: absolutely um, it was a stunning weekend 26 goals across the 6 games on, on match day 6 and uh, the excitement was, was spread around. Sturm Graz are the team in third, and they claimed a pretty crucial away win, actually, against Rapid Vienna to cap off a very miserable week in Hütteldorf. And uh, Rapid conceded a late penalty, got another red card, and Sturm won it from the spot with five minutes to go. I thought the penalty looked a bit harsh. What do you think on that one? It was, there wasn't much in it, was there? It was a, a, a soft one, I'll say, for a red card and a penalty.
1: Yeah, especially because we, we talked about sort of... Uh, there's been a lot of talk about getting rid of this idea of double punishment in, in football, like a red card and a penalty, because the red card completely changes the the game as well, even though it was quite late on in this case. I did not think it was a penalty at all. It's a perfect example of, you know, when it rains, it pours. It's been a dire week for Rapid, and it just got a little bit worse with a, with a bit of bad luck. I don't think Martin Moorman really did too much wrong there. The player just runs across him, and, and down he goes... Um, I thought that, that you know, of, uh, that, that, that was just an extremely harsh decision.
0: As you said, never rains, it pours. It wasn't what Rapid needed. But um, for Sturm, an important three points after, you know, not the easiest period for them either. And the confirmation midweek that uh, Rasmus Hoyland has gone to Atalanta in Serie A for what is in Austrian terms an absolutely massive amount of money 17 million when people when we wrote that on twitter at first people were like have you missed a decimal point or something you know is is there a (laughs) is there a mistake here but no atalanta have paid 17 million copenhagen have let somebody slip through their grasp who's worth an awful lot of money record sale for sturm gratz massive for for a non-salzburg team um what's that going to do to them
1: well they've got 17 million reasons to be happy don't they i mean they've <laughs> they've lost a, a great great player and i think particularly in the uh, in the europa league his, his absence will be uh, very noticeable but uh, i think it's a it's a bit of a recent trend isn't it that's that's twice in the in the past year now that they've bought a young forward who's impressed and been sold on for a very big profit margin to italian clubs maybe this is their new their new business model they they did the same with kelvin yaboa who they sold for I think around 6 million to Genoa. Now they've sold Rasmus Hoyland. And I have, to, I have to say this, Tom, it's a little bit uh, selfish for me to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, I interviewed both of those players. So Sturm Graz, if you're looking to sell anyone for a big profit margin, then just let me interview them first and then they'll get a big move to Italy. Guaranteed.
0: Definitely going to happen. I last interviewed Moritz Kiergaard, to be fair. So watch out for that one. See <laughs> see where he goes in the end. Um, Lovely interviews, by the way. And that actually should, I should use that link because uh, we did the match reviews, of course, for all the exciting games this weekend. So if you're wondering exactly what happened, who stood out, um, you can check out on Bundesliga.at our English reviews of all the uh, the matches that have just happened in the Bundesliga. You'll find that every week on the, on the Monday or the Tuesday morning. You'll find all our English reviews of the games. So uh, certainly if you're playing so rare as well and you want to see who who stood out and find some stats and facts about uh, who's shining for each of the Bundesliga teams, you can find them uh, in English on Bundesliga.at.
1: On the topic of big transfer fees by Austrian clubs, I had a look at where this ranks. So this is obviously Storm their biggest outgoing transfer and the biggest of any club other than Salzburg. But if you include Salzburg, where do you think this ranks? Which position on the list of most expensive players leaving Austria?
0: Mm, Salzburg, up until recently, sold a lot of players for comparatively small sums. You know, big when you sell lots of players at that amount. you six, seven or eight million is a lot in Austria. But I think 17 is still pretty big. I reckon that's still top six in, in Austria. Or am yeah. I way off?
1: Sadly, you're a little off, Yeah.
0: Ah. Okay, I don't
1: know. So he, he's down in joint 13th place. Oh, 13th, okay, I'm way off, yeah. With, with Munis Dabur, who was sold for the same amount to Sevilla a few seasons ago. But I think that just shows you the 13 most expensive players leaving Austria, all coming from Salzburg. Again, another statistic to illustrate this financial disparity between Salzburg and the rest of the league. I also had a look at the transfer records for some of Austria's other big clubs. Um, again, putting you on the spot a little bit here, but I trust your knowledge. Um... Can you name any of the record outgoings for Austria, Vienna, Rapid or LASK?
0: I think Werber from Rapid was, was one of them, wasn't Spot he? Spot on,
1: yeah. Um, to Lask, Ajax, 8.1 million.
0: Record outgoing from LASK.
1: In our time, covering the league as well. So you do know him.
0: Who's gone for big money? I remember Sean Weissman went from VRT for quite a lot. He went for about 6 million to, to Valladolid, didn't he? That was quite a big move. Yeah. Lask, who? what What position was the Lask? Forward. There? Lask, forward. Um,
1: and he went to a club along with a an Austrian manager that also went to that club.
0: Oh, uh, So he went with Glasner. Yeah. And uh, he was picked up by Glasner. Was it Joao? Uh, Joao? Oh, it's, this is how long ago it's been. Wow, football changes so fast. I remember watching him. What's his name? Joao, Joao Victor. Joao Victor, of course. Yeah. Oh, I love Joao Victor. Yeah. And, and I've forgotten his name in, in all but two years. Tragic.
1: Now, the austria vienna one is a little bit before our time that was uh, forward omar damari who went to uh, leipzig yeah. for seven million
0: uh, how much did Jarvik victor go for 3.5
1: oh,
0: yeah but this is putting this in perspective as well though when sturm signed rasmus holland for 1.8 million euros we six thinking, months ago yeah six months ago yeah exactly we were thinking ooh, a lot of money you know that's a big bit of a ri- not a risk you know but well, it is a risk for austrian football it's a, it was a it was a big investment and uh, Boy, did that pay off. We got some questions on Twitter asking about how they should spend that money. And I know there's, there's a name on everybody's lips at the moment where it looks like that might exactly be how they spend the money or, or some of it, but we talked about it privately earlier, you know, reflecting Sturm's policy more than, more than a, a specific player individually, you know, looking at players who are not really getting huge amounts of minutes and stuff, you know, but unlocking potential more than buying, you know, more than like spending 10 million on, on a yeah, well, I, signing.
1: Yeah, well, I think that is what Um, what Sturm did with with Rasmus Hoyland essentially uh, he was recognised as a promising youngster but he just wasn't getting any minutes in the Danish Superliga. and he just wasn't playing at all I think a handful of appearances and no goals last season and they just really believed in him and convinced him that he would be getting the playing time that he needed to develop and and look at the, the rewards that have been reaped six months later so I think if If Sturm Graz could potentially adopt that as their strategy now, and maybe they are already because they're being linked with another Copenhagen player. Um, What's his name? William Boeving, who I I don't know much about, but is a 19-year-old forward. Um, a 19
0: year old forward from Copenhagen
1: where have we seen one of those before yeah. <laughs> but it just makes me wonder will Copenhagen having missed out on such a big profit margin for Hoyland will they go for that I'm, I'm really not sure but if, if, if Sturm Graz can, can offer these promising youngsters the playing time that they're not going to get at their home clubs then then people will see it's like Salzburg people want to play for Salzburg because they know, they know there's a well charted path to, to a bigger club and if they can see that's happening at Sturm Graz as well then it's motivation to go
0: I think this is one of those sort of intangible factors for Rapide as well, where actually Sturm have put themselves in that position now already. Sturm are, if, you, if you're if you not going to Salzburg, Sturm are the most attractive club in Austria right now for a young player to come to. They've proven with Calvin Yeboah and Rasmus Hoyland that you can leave Sturm, you can play some good football at Sturm, you can get some decent results, you might have a chance at getting into Europe and playing in a group stage. But also, you know, if you do well, you'll be given the chance to move. You know, you'll go to a big... Go to the big league, go to Serie A. There's no reason why you couldn't go to the Bundesliga or something as well in Germany. It's very attractive. And you see that not not happening as much at Rapid. You know, nobody's swooping in with double-figure bids for for Rapid players. And even when they did with Yusuf Demir, that just all went completely pear-shaped, didn't it, with the, this whole Barcelona thing. So, yeah, Sturm, I think, have put themselves in a very, very good position. And uh, it does appear that this William Boving has... Uh, has some kind of verbal agreement between copenhagen and, and sturm so already about two and a half million of that 17 may be reinvested to copenhagen as you say if they'll uh if they're willing to do it again but maybe they'll uh, have a bigger sell-on clause put in this time who knows
1: maybe this will be the new trend a bit like vsg tyrol consistently learning a striker from A. Uh, maybe <laughs> maybe sturm graz will go go back into to to, Dan, to denmark time after time
0: yeah they'll become the you know they'll do what They'll do to Denmark what Barnsley have done to Austria maybe, who knows, but yeah, Boving's played 27 times for Copenhagen with two goals, so he fits exactly that mould that you were talking about of players who are sort of showing potential but not really for one reason or another not being trusted, not getting the breakthrough yet, not getting the time let's see, let's see if he makes a move let's see what he can do, Um, so that's Last first, they've scored the most goals with 16, Salzburg have also got 16 goals in second but one point behind, Sturm a third, Lustenauer still in fourth, Rapide a fifth, so we've covered the top five, then there's a whole melee in the middle of teams that are on on very, very close points, everybody's now won at least one game, now uh, VAT got a crucial win at the weekend uh, away against VSK Tirol, Um, So it's left things very, very tight. Who else would you like to pick out, perhaps, from from down near the bottom? Because there were some more exciting games recently.
1: Well, I suppose if there's one of the weekend's games that we should highlight, it should probably be that humdinger between the two Austrias. Austria Klagenfurt, three. Austria Vienna, three. Um, There were some lovely goals in this. I'm thinking of, well, Matthias Brauner does shot on the turn. Reinhard Ranft thunderous uh, volley as well. Um, And a few mistakes in there for good measure. Um, And it all ended with Andy Irving, Scottish player Andy Irving, scoring his first ever Bundesliga goal to to seal the draw. So I think that was a hugely entertaining game. If you were were over in Austria and you went to one random game at the weekend and you ended up at Austria-Klagenfurt 3, Austria-Vienna 3, you'd be a satisfied customer, wouldn't you? You'd
0: be loving it. As you say, the goal from Braunöder, we've heard a lot about Braunöder. We don't talk about him that much, but in Austrian circles, Braunöder is known as sort of one of these very talented players coming through, perhaps one to watch at Austria-Vienna, which almost inevitably means that he'll go on a free transfer to Schoengratz very soon. But um, he took that goal so well. He ran into the box, sort of skipped into the box, down by the byline towards the, the sort of post on the left-hand side, managed to kind of spin around as he was chesting the ball down and then sort of with his back half to goal, like turned around and volleyed it in. It was, it was so nicely taken. It was a really, really uh, high quality and very technical finish. And as you say, Ranftal also tried to rival that with a, a thunderous volley from outside the box. But for me, I put this on Twitter as well. It is weird to see Reinhold Ranftal in, a, in an Austria-Vienna shirt. I'm sorry, I can't, I can't get over it. So I'm doing the interview afterwards. It's just like, it's wrong. He's a Lask player, it's wrong.
1: It's less wrong now that half of Lask has moved to Vienna. But I, I do know what you mean.
0: I think I'll still find it weird. James Holland's played there before, so I won't find it weird seeing James Holland in a, an Austria Vienna shirt. But Gruber didn't play for LASK so long, so yeah. To be fair, he, he's like he's allowed in our yeah. in the other Bundesliga's rules. He's allowed to move to, to whichever club he wants. But Rundefeld just looks looks wrong. Um. Anyway, you you're right to mention the penalty Andy Irving first goal. But did you see how the penalty was awarded? Because this is like this is a new thing in football. It's happening all the time, and it's it's a bit of a it's my bone of contention in in football now, there's this thing that you can do which gets you a stonewall penalty and it's really annoying, is if the ball's high in the box and you see that the defender is about to clear it, you don't even have to play the ball or make any attempt to do anything, but you just see that the defender's watching the ball, he's going to make a a clearance on the volley or, or just kick it away and you just have to put yourself in between the ball and the player's leg and you will definitely get kicked and you'll definitely get a penalty and everyone's like, oh yeah, definitely, stonewall penalty, nothing, no two ways about it, but those ones annoy me because I'm like, you don't even have to... What what would happen if there was no foul, if the defender pulled his foot away? You'd have control. You might be able to control the ball, not facing the goal. You're not doing anything. You, it's just an easy penalty win. Or should the defenders just be more
1: disciplined? I don't know. Maybe. I think it's it's a little bit of an aggravating one for me because, like you say, there's, there's not too much merit in it, but then it is also clever because, you know... The player in question, Torsten Mara, doesn't, doesn't make the rules, but he's, he's noticed that there's an opportunity there and he's taken it by placing himself strategically being the, between the defender and the ball. So, yeah, it did feel a little bit of a harsh one, but by the letter of the law, he is, uh, he's made the most of that.
0: Austria-Vienna themselves probably felt that they should have had a penalty as well with a little clip of the legs um, down in the other penalty area, so they'll probably feel a bit hard done by there. But um, nevertheless, it's another point picked up for Austria-Vienna they've they've moved away now they've they've overcome their points deficit how's it looking down down near the bottom of the table
1: well there are some of the usual suspects that you'd expect to see down there Altak who uh, battled against relegation for so much of last season uh, a joint bottom on points with uh, with Reed, who really I think ever since they they sacked Robert Ebertsberger in April just have looked quite poor ever since um, Wolfsburg have clawed themselves up from 12th to 10th I think we can probably expect them to kick on a little bit Austria Klagenfurt are they perhaps having second season syndrome there they're in ninth and then like you say in the middle there everyone's congested uh, Austria Vienna in eighth Hartberg in seventh and VSK Tyrol in sixth so it's all quite tight and it's, it's very early in the season isn't it you shouldn't really probably look and, and read too much into the table before match day seven or eight but um yeah, it's shaping up to be an interesting one.
0: It is. I think the only thing that I could pick out from that midfield melee is that Austria-Vienna, without their points deduction, would now be in the top six. So that's probably a positive sign for Austria-Vienna. Um, on that note, shall we shall we wrap up for this episode? Is there anything else that needs concluding in the world of Austrian football before we say goodbye for this
1: one? Well, it's, it's very loosely related, but I would just like to say that the the ribs that I had today... Uh, at the long hall uh, were the best ribs that i have had in in many many years so uh, i just thought i would sneak that in there because they were sensational if you are in vienna and you want to watch some football or just enjoy some good food or sit in the delightful beer garden uh, then we highly recommend the long hall in vienna's eighth district
0: yes we moved inside from the uh, lovely beer garden for the sake of volume so that you can get a, a crisp nice sounding podcast here with just a little bit of kitchen noise and a little bit of atmosphere but not too much but uh, yeah no i think that's well worth mentioning and we, we asked fairly late this time before we recorded uh, for any questions or any anything that you wanted to hear on the on the pod and one of the questions we got didn't really relate to the pod but it just said if some people may be coming to vienna would you recommend the long haul for a place to eat food and drinks and that makes me think have you even listened to one of our podcasts have you ever heard the pod definitely we would recommend it uh, not just because they're lovely to us and they make us very welcome when we come here to record but because it's just a great place good drinks great food Really nice place to watch the game, as you say, inside or out. It's uh, got loads of space as well, so you can always find a seat. Uh, and if it's nice weather, plenty of space in the garden too. Can't say fairer than that yeah. uh, in, in Vienna.
1: Get yourself a Tiger Boy beer and the ribs. That would be my menu recommendation.
0: There you go. A I'm salivating again, I might have to get, I might have to get <laughs> another portion. All right, back to the bar with us. Thanks very much for listening to this episode of the other Bundesliga podcast from the long haul, if you have not gathered it already. Um, it's been great to be back again. We'll try to get back uh, as soon as we can. I'm off to England in a few days after uh, after watching Austria v England. I'll be, uh, I'll be there for a little bit in uh, England and Scotland, actually. But uh, maybe, just maybe, I'll sneak down to London for Chelsea against Salzburg. And definitely on the way back, I'm going to find myself strategically placed in Paris For France against Austria in the Nations League. Exciting times. What's on your uh, agenda for the next few
1: weeks? Uh, A trip to England, but with decidedly less football. So I think, I think, Tom, you've got the the better deal (laughs) there.
0: All right. Well, thanks a lot for listening to this episode of the pod. We'll uh, see you again soon. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please consider leaving us a review on your podcast platform of choice. That's extremely helpful to us. We also have a Patreon page if you wish to chip in a few euro each month to help us out. That's over at patreon.com forward slash other Bundesliga. Special thanks go to Gabriel Geber at Torn Gaber Studios for this lovely music and also to the Gentleman Creatives for their other Bundesliga logo artwork.